Join over 350,000 people just like you who are taking control of their wellness journey with Viome. When it comes to choosing the right food and supplements for you, don't guess, test. With Viome's health intelligence test, you get over 30 health insights based on your unique biology and your gut microbiome. You also receive personalized food recommendations and precision supplements formulated literally just for you. Use code GENIUS to get an extra $20 off a health intelligence test. Visit Viome.com to shop now. Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. I have Rohini Bajko. She's a nutritionist. She has a she works in the nutrition and food scientists, evidence-based nutrition, and we're gonna talk about hormonal health and plant-based diets and Easy ways, maybe unexpected ways on adding more plants into your diet, regardless of where you're starting from or, or how you're eating right now to help improve your health. So, Rahini, thanks so much for coming. No, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. I'm a big fan of the podcast. Well, thank you. Well, if you would tell me a bit about your background. I know I spoke with um, your mom, who's a huge advocate for plant-based diets. Um, you know, it's cool that you guys seem to be at least on the same page, if not a team. Uh, tell me a bit about your background and and how both of you came to this realization that uh, this is what you wanted to do. Yes, absolutely. In fact, my father's also a lifestyle medicine physician and passionate about this. So it's really a family. <laughs> it's now become a sort of like family passion. Oh, wow. um, yeah, we are all a team of lifestyle medicine <laughs> professionals. But um, yeah, so my background, so I am grew up in the UK. I was born in India and um, really actually grew up with sort of healthy home-cooked Indian food. And for those of you who might not know that much about Indian food it's a lot of beans and lentils and fruits and vegetables and things like that my parents were busy surgeons so um but we they always made sure that we had fresh food on the table which was a really wonderful way to grow up and I was fit and healthy when I was young and really the problem started when I was at university so I was my first degree was in theology at Oxford University and that's when I noticed real health issues so my hair started to fall out I got really severe cystic acne all over my face my periods became irregular and essentially that was really the start of when I started to kind of realize that I had some of the symptoms although I didn't know it yet of polycystic ovary syndrome and that is often known as PCOS um it's the most common hormonal disorder to affect women or anyone signed female at birth and it's what the topic of the new book I wrote with my mum is about so living PCOS free which I know a lot of the listeners of Finding Genius are in North America and it's out there on the 13th of June and so that shares a little bit more about my personal story but it was only when I was in my mid-20s that I was able to really get a hold of my symptoms so I'd really struggled in my early 20s I sort of went for ultra processed foods, even ones that I thought were sort of healthy, like granola bars and things like that. And I tried everything to try and heal my skin. I saw naturopaths, dermatologists, just about 
everyone, but I couldn't really get a hold of the issue. I tried all these supplements, all these lotions, antibiotics, um, several courses of those, and nothing really worked. And it was only when I moved to India when I was 25, which was with work, that my symptoms seemed to really almost almost vanish and they got significantly better. So I always like to say, you know, we need both. We need conventional allopathic medicine, but we also need these lifestyle interventions that are really going to help us. And just by changing my environment, a lot of things change. So I started to eat more fresh, unprocessed food. So just sort of simple home-cooked Indian food that was available there, lots of fresh fruit from the markets. I began to sleep at normal hours. I think that the sunlight there really helped as well. And um, a, a lot of things sort of fell into place. And I managed to have a regular cycle a lot of my acne vanished and my anxiety dissipated and I'd also stopped binge drinking and drinking to excess which is really common in the UK Um, especially when you're at university it's really normalized to drink large quantities of alcohol and that obviously causes hormonal fluctuations and can worsen things if you've got symptoms of PCOS so it was from a personal experience that I made these changes of course I had been vegan from a young age. My family had done that for ethical reasons, but it was only later on that I started to shift towards including more whole plant foods. So really focusing on getting more whole grains, beans, nuts, and herbs and spices, fruits and vegetables into my diet. Yeah, you mentioned uh, anxiety. What happened there? What was the, did you get anxious when you weren't eating well and you were drinking? What was that like? Yeah, so I think a lot of people find this and we know that diets that are high in ultra processed foods, diets that are high in things like processed meat or red meat, of course, I wasn't having the latter two. These can also contribute to kind of mood disorders. And if you've got PCOS, you have a higher risk of these mood disorders such as depression and anxiety. So it was something that I struggled with. And I think that um, eating these sorts of foods, they, they obviously don't promote gut health. They make you feel really energetic for a moment because of that they're high in sugar and um, they give you that that quick release of uh, energy but they also come crashing down so we know that that uh, glucose fluctuations especially if you've got insulin resistance which I had and PCOS can all really worsen all of these issues but anxiety and depression things are of course complicated and that's why in my approach in my clinic I look at things in quite a holistic way so not just looking at diet which is of course I think it's one of the cornerstones of health but looking at the other pillars of lifestyle medicine as well like are you moving regularly are you finding time to de-stress and unwind are you making time to spend time with your loved ones your friends and family are you drinking lots of alcohol or smoking are these things that you could cut out so really looking at everything in that that more of that holistic way is what really helped me and um, uh, since then I've really managed to stay on top of most of my symptoms of course that might change in the future. I'm not sure, but I am thriving on a plant-based diet. And of course, there are other considerations, of course, for the environment, for animal ethics and so on. But definitely eating more whole plant foods has been incredible for me. And that is reflected in the research as well that's out there and the now thousands of studies that we have. We'll get more into the, you know, how to add plants to your diet shortly. But I just had one more question because, um, I don't know, I just, again, I haven't, I haven't seen it brought up much. Can you talk just a little bit more about the anxiety you felt when you weren't taking care of yourself? What was it like? Was it pervasive? And, you know, in the patients that you see and talk to, is it pervasive in them before they improve their eating? 
Obviously, I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but we do have enough evidence to show there is a link now between food and mood. And for me, it was things like rumination. So going over thoughts again and again, feeling really, really worried, feeling kind of swings of energy, so ups and downs and things like that. And um, generally, a lot of things contributed. So I wasn't very active. I was also eating a diet that some bits were healthy, but I had a lot of a lot more ultra processed foods. We know that alcohol can worsen anxiety symptoms as well. So all of these things kind of create the perfect storm. And I think a lot of people might identify with this in the standard Western diet that it really contributes to this perfect storm when it comes to things like anxiety and, and depression. And um, at the time, I I didn't really consider taking medication or anything but I did do a CBT which is a cognitive behavioral therapy course which really helped me as well as obviously changing some of the patterns I had around food as well as overthinking and really developing a supportive network but it wasn't until years later that I managed to get on top of my symptoms. Have you observed if someone eats pretty well but they have the occasional you know drink or they have the occasional uh, steak let's say how do they do in comparison to someone that doesn't have the occasional, you know, quote unquote, bad thing? They they stick to it, you know, the diet and the protocol you're talking about, and they don't they don't make any mistakes. Like, is their health markedly better, or is it okay to occasionally have stuff that's not good? So, Richard, I think that's a great question, and of course, everyone is different. So, what works for one person might be slightly different for the other. But we know that plant-based diets are one of the healthiest choices that someone can make and it's not about what you're doing sort of once a month if you have a slice of birthday cake or sure if you have a steak once a month it it probably won't detrimentally impact your health it's the overall quality the overall nutritional quality of your diet that matters but I also am not a big fan of the phrase everything in moderation because that could just be applied to pretty much everything I drink alcohol in moderation I smoke in moderation I eat sausages in moderation before you know it you can have a whole host of really bad habits but they're excused under the guise of moderation so what could be moderation for one person could look really different for another person one person might think an occasional glass of wine is once a month another person might think that's just once every other day so I think it's it is important to focus on the big picture but at the same time to understand that a lot of the habits we have in our current lifestyles are fueling a lot of of the you know the health crises that we're experiencing and also the most common uh, chronic diseases as well so it's always hard to pinpoint that and no study is ever going to tell you that I'm sure you're aware of how hard it is to actually run a randomized control trial in the field of nutrition but um yeah that's my view on it okay and now for uh, adding plants into your diet um yes adding plants into you your diet. So like, it, I is it hard to do it. or like what's what's the nuance of it So I always like to focus on what you can add in rather than what you can take out. And thanks for asking that question. So we can all benefit from bringing in more plants to our diet. And I think that some people get a bit freaked out and they think, oh, I don't want to go vegan. I don't want to go plant based. Obviously, veganism is an ethic of justice. It's quite different. But shifting towards a more plant forward diet is always going to benefit us. And um, there are so many simple ways that you can do that. And you can remove a lot of you can actually by shifting towards eating more plants, you can reduce the amount of saturated fat, sugar, salt, you know, dietary cholesterol, other things in your diet. We know that poor diet is the is now responsible for one in five deaths globally every year. So that's around 11 million deaths in total. And we know that well-planned plant-based diets can support healthy living at every age and life stage. But some people go, I don't know where to start. Um, In the 
UK, only one in 10 adults gets their daily recommendation for fiber. I think it's about the same in the US. It's actually the average fiber intake in the US is even lower. And, um, you know, we we are really chronically fiber deprived. Fiber is only found in plant foods. So simple ways that you can bring in more plants. So just by adding, for example, um, in a handful of greens into your curry or soup or stew or stir fry, that's a really great way to get in more plants and switching to a plant based breakfast. A lot of people kind of start their day with maybe eggs or bacon and things like that. But switching to a bowl of porridge is an amazing way. So that's called oatmeal, I think, in America. And you've got steel cut oats there, which are actually higher in fiber than your regular quick cook oats. And that's such a great way to start your day. It keeps your um, blood sugar levels uh, stabilized for the morning. So you get slow release energy from those complex carbohydrates. You can also make it even more nutritious by adding in some flaxseed, which is rich in omega-3 and is great for brain health, heart health, and so on. Maybe some blueberries, which are rich in antioxidants and associated with lower risks of cognitive decline. So you could have an absolutely delicious breakfast with berries, with flax, maybe some nuts, some cinnamon, which also may help in blood glucose control and then steel cut oats. And you could have a plant-based milk, like a soya milk with that. And that would be a really nutritious breakfast. And there's so many other things you could do. You could have a whole grain rye bread with maybe peanut butter and banana if you don't have that much time. But but switching to a plant-based breakfast is one of my top tips And then reaching for more whole unprocessed foods. So snacking on things like carrot sticks and hummus or going for some fruit with some nuts. Not all snacks, you know, have to come in a package. You can just eat whole fruits and vegetables. That's such an easy way. And then adding in a handful of nuts into your day as well. Nut consumption is associated with improved heart health. So just going for a handful um, of cashews or my personal favorite is walnuts because they're really rich in omega-3s. I mean, I've seen people that are on, let's say the ketogenic diet or carnivore diet, which is really hardcore, and they seem to be doing really well. And I also have seen people that are vegans and they seem to be doing really well. Do you think that this works for everybody that you've worked with? Or are there some people that actually would do better on, let's say, an all-meat diet or a different kind of diet? Well, certainly not an all-meat diet. That is extraordinarily extreme. And um, whilst there's no long-term research for any of these low-carb diets that, you know, there's not... We don't have that long term evidence. There are no societies that have lived on this carnivore diet. And they are really worrying in terms of a lot of the the people that are following these diets showing that their cholesterol levels are off the scale. Their gut microbiome is in pretty bad shape and increased risk of heart attacks. Obviously, things like colorectal cancer, which are directly linked to having processed meat and obviously higher risk with red meat as well. So I, I don't see the place. And I think considering the, the way that the environment is right now, that is quite terrifying to have an all meat diet and quite irresponsible. Obviously, the benefit of some of these low carbohydrate diets, so sort of thinking of more of a paleo style, and you can have a low carbohydrate plant based diet, although I'm not a big fan of low carbohydrate diets in general for most people, because I think that carbohydrates are such an important fuel source. It's what our brain runs on. We need to have at least about 55 to 70 percent of our diet based on carbohydrates. But the type of carbohydrate is incredibly important. So complex carbs. So things like brown rice, oats, quinoa, whole grain bread. These are the kinds of carbohydrates that we want to opt for. But you're absolutely right. You know, um, the, the reason some people are thriving is that in a short term basis, they may be 
uh, as effective as a plant-based diet some studies have shown that you know they can be effective for things like weight loss but what you really have to ask yourself is is it just about losing weight or is it about being healthy and you can do both on a plant-based diet plant-based diets are great for satiety you know staying full but also for thriving in the long term and reducing your your risk of common chronic diseases there's a reason why plant-based diets are included in guidelines as key components of a healthy lifestyle for the prevention of common cancers and cardiovascular disease and type 2 diabetes and not you know the low carbohydrate sort of carnivore diets those are those those are just not advisable and i think that it's really worrying because the data that is coming out isn't exactly promising i think the one plus that some of these diets have is that they remove the diet of ultra processed foods so you know things like crisps donuts cookies ice cream that kind of thing which of course are not health foods in in any diet um but they also omit some of the healthiest foods on the planet including beans and lentils things that are bursting with plant protein and they also remove whole grains which we know reduce the risk of so many common chronic diseases so yeah i'm not a fan of it but different macronutrient proportions may work for different people so that's why it's really helpful to work with a nutritionist such as myself or a dietitian so that you can get some guidance if you're perhaps moving to a more plant forward way of eating and you've been eating a standard western diet because it takes a few months for your gut microbiome to adjust on average and especially when you're bringing in more fiber but the tips that i recommend particularly on my instagram they're just really straightforward things that anyone can do um to just bring in more color into their diet i always say focus on color it's such a simple tool and i don't mean skittles when i say color discover how your gut microbiome is impacting your cellular health immune health and how you're aging from the inside out with viome's health intelligence test Collect your samples, send them to the Viome Lab, and within two to three weeks, your health scores and food and supplement recommendations will be available to you right in your Viome app. Visit Viome.com and use code GENIUS to get an extra $20 off your health intelligence test. Question in the U.S., we seem to have a lot more GMO-based foods, you know, chickpeas that go into hummus, wheat, uh, etc. What are your thoughts or experience with uh, GMO-based foods? any problem for people you know in north america and the uk maybe it's less what, what do you think you know i really think that the biggest priority of course of course if you can afford organic non gmo foods for yourself then great but the biggest priority should actually be focusing on the food so getting in more fruit vegetables whole grains beans lentils nuts and seeds rather than obsessing too much about labels such as gmo organic all of these things because um you know that that the science is very clear that we just need to be getting those foods in and i am conscious that i if there are people out there who say just eat non gmo um organic xyz and that's not necessarily very accessible so my message is obviously if you know if you can afford certain foods and go for that but just having a variety of plants a diversity of plant foods is my message in the uk we don't have the the same issues um i know the food systems are quite different but yeah i'm not an expert on gmo unfortunately well yeah expert or no expert um what about organic versus non-organic again if you can get it great if not you don't think it's an impediment just to eat the the plants and the other foods that you're supposed to eat absolutely so i think you know there are some studies showing certain benefits for organic and that there may be certain you know planetary benefits um but there are also other considerations including price point and and other issues in there but i think a lot of the time these conversations end up 
missing the wood for the trees. So there's so much discussion of these rather than focusing on the fact that, you know, in, in most of this part of the world, most people are not only one in 10 are getting the recommended daily amount of fiber. There's such low servings of fruits and vegetables. And um, most people are getting the number one source of antioxidants in the American diet is coffee, which is, you know, it's coffee has its health benefits as well, but we do need to be eating a wide variety of foods, particularly things like green leafy vegetables and berries and things like that. So I always try and focus on what's accessible to people because I do work with people in the community who are on low income budgets. I work with people at the, other end of the scale who don't have to worry about money at all but yes if you've got the money then I would opt for organic foods but also some things like plant milk some of them that are organic are not fortified in the UK or Europe so um yeah I recommend non-organic in those cases so it's all you know really on a case-by-case basis depending on how much money and access someone has well do you know anyone that's quantified the cost to eat you know a standard diet in the UK or the US versus a plant-based diet versus a low-carb diet? That might be interesting to see the uh, the amounts of money involved. Uh, The cost of it? Oh, well, actually... Well, we know that all healthy diets are more expensive than junk food diets. And that's obviously a lot of that is being driven by the food industry with gross subsidies and um, issues such as that. So if you were to live on just crisps and donuts and things, of course, it would be cheaper than eating any diet that was rich in unprocessed foods. But compared to a standard meat based diet, a plant based diet in the UK, there was a big study that came out, showed that it was about 40% cheaper than a standard omnivore diet. I think that was a study by Kantar, but I can send you the link so you can put it in the show notes. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's significant. And we know that because some of the healthiest and cheapest plant-based foods are really, really affordable. So whether you look at oats, beans, lentils, herbs and spices, and, you know, whole grains such as wheat, this is what most, a lot of the world lives on in some of the the, the poorest countries. So we know that plant-based diets can be really affordable. Of course, if you are buying really gourmet plant-based ingredients or a lot of meat alternatives, then your, your price point might go up. But certainly if you're comparing it to the standard omnivore diet, and particularly a standard kind of omnivore diet, but with organic free range kind of meat and eggs, then it's going to be incredibly, incredibly cheaper whilst also being far better for the planet. Animal agriculture is the major driver of the climate and ecological crisis, and they directly impact human health. So um, yeah, a lot of these guidelines are now changed. Health Canada has incorporated um, a a predominantly plant-based diet, limiting meat consumption and dairy into their guidelines. And yeah, they. I think that the science is is pretty consistent on this. Uh, there's certainly no country out there advocating for a carnivore diet. So, what are um, some other ways you can add plants into your diet? You mentioned a, a plant-based breakfast, which was interesting. Uh, what else? Yeah, so I think a plant-based breakfast, snacking on fruit, on nuts, things like that, trying to swap out a meat-based protein for a plant protein, and we know that that can. really reduce mortality risk as well there's been some really great studies on that saying benefits for substituting animal protein with plant protein so instead of having chicken you could opt for some beans like maybe a bean fajita or um, wrap rather than putting chicken inside it and or if you're doing a stir fry you could you could add in 
you know, tempeh or tofu rather than putting in beef. And there are so many different swaps that you can make and even just switching to a plant-based milk. And here in the UK, one in three households chooses a plant-based milk. So we're really, it's it's really, really exciting. Um, And my personal favorite would be soya milk because it's rich in protein and also helps reduce the risk of things such as prostate cancer, which is a you know, really common cancer among men. So I really recommend that. And I also think just choosing more colorful fruits and vegetables in your meal. So not thinking of meat as the centerpiece, but trying to learn from other cuisines. I'm originally Indian and from South India, and we have a really wide variety of plant-based dishes. So be inspired by Ethiopian cuisine, Chinese, Vietnamese, um, Lebanese. There are so many different cuisines out there that aren't just meat and two veg. So try and make things like curry, stir fries. Um, you know, there's lots of different Mexican dishes. I know they're really popular in the USA. And you can create a wide variety of dishes using just plants. So don't think of it as like the meat and then the plants as an extra. Make the plants the star of the show. Well, what have you, which plants uh, have you seen are particularly good at replacing the meat for people that are early on in this process? So, you know, so they don't crave as much and they feel, you know, satisfied. That's such an important question. So a few tips if you're not feeling satisfied. Firstly, make sure that you're eating more. The benefit of a plant-based diet is that it can be really good for weight management and weight loss because a lot of the plant-based foods are naturally lower in calories and less energy dense. So it's important to eat enough. If you're not trying to lose weight, just making sure that you've got enough food on your plate and that will keep you full but also including things like with healthy fats so nuts seeds avocado things like that are really good foods to include to stay full and um another important thing is to include enough plant protein people are very confused about protein but even plant-based eaters all the studies are quite clear that they get enough protein but it is an important uh, macronutrient and that's why choosing plant-based protein rich sources are beneficial regardless if you're plant-based or not so including beans lentils tofu tempeh soya milk peanut butter peanuts these kinds of foods at every meal obviously not all in the same meal but choosing one of those sources so you could have peanut butter on your porridge and soy milk for lunch you could have a wrap with beans um for dinner you could have a a lentil curry or you could have you know so many different dishes that are that are out there that it's just about being mindful of that and that's going to keep you full other great swaps i love mushrooms mushrooms are a source of protein they're also really rich in other micronutrients and b vitamins and so on so mushrooms are really good and they have that kind of meaty texture particularly when grilled there's so many people doing inventive things with mushrooms so mushrooms are a great they're not a, 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 you know a vegetable or a fruit or anything they're actually a fungi different category but they're a great food to include and then including more umami rich which is that savory flavor that some people miss when they don't have meat so you know it's really great to include things like miso marmite stock obviously like a plant-based stock uh mushrooms and rich in umami so all of these foods can really mimic that savoriness that meat has but obviously without the environmental and uh, ethical cost of meat and obviously the implications on health which are just vast yeah so where have you seen people go wrong let's say they're trying this themselves or they're trying it and they misunderstood what to do for some reason like what are the common things you see people do wrong when they embark on this yeah, such a good question. So the common things is thinking all or nothing. So black and white thinking like I'm going to go plant based. And if I make one mistake or I eat chicken, I'm going to go back, you know, I failed and I'm going to go back to my standard diet. There's this feeling that it has to be all or nothing. I think that's 
key with behavioral change this black and white thinking is really negative so actually just thinking how can I bring in more plants how can I move forward and if you you know end up eating a burger when you're out kind of taking reminding yourself of your why why are you doing this are you doing this because you know we're facing a health catastrophe are you doing it because we're in the middle of a climate crisis are you doing it because of the billions of land animals and sea um, animals who are killed every year so really thinking about your why will be really important obviously eating enough as I've already mentioned that's a really key one so underfueling can be a big problem not including protein rich plant-based foods is another issue that I see and then supplementing with b12 a lot of animals in the in the food system, over 70% here in the UK, and I think it's 90% in the US, of are factory farmed animals. And they are supplemented with vitamin B12, usually through their feed or injected with vitamin B12. Vitamin B12 is actually made by microorganisms in the soil, not plants or animals. But um, as I mentioned, you know, rather than getting it from the supplemented animals, then definitely ensure that you've got a reliable source of vitamin B12 on a plant-based diet. So you can take a supplement once a day or once a week. So 10 micrograms daily or at least 2000 micrograms weekly. That's a really you know, important one to mention. And then the other thing is, is to, to get creative and make it fun for yourself. No one likes to be on a diet and feel that they're giving up things. And there's a lot of focus on plant-based diets on what are you restricting? What are you giving up? Oh, you can't have meat. You can't have this because we all think that this is the only way to eat. But actually, when you get excited, you start cooking from other cuisines, you get into the kitchen, you start experimenting with lots of delicious herbs and spices. You will really enjoy your food. You'll connect with your food and you'll feel good. So perhaps set yourself a challenge like hosting a plant-based dinner party, invite your friends over, you know, make it a special occasion don't just think of it as oh you know I'm just going to be that person eating salad there are so many more plant-based dishes than salads and definitely spend some time on Instagram and TikTok if you're listening and you're not sure where to start because there are so many tips out there but um yeah don't get caught up with these extreme things just eating a variety of whole plant foods is going to really benefit your health protect you um uh, in many ways from these common chronic diseases of course there's no panacea for a lot of these uh, chronic diseases but a plant-based diet is an incredibly powerful tool in our arsenal and that's why it's included in clinical guidelines well very good rohini what's the best place for people to find out more about your work and plant-based diets Uh, where can people go so thanks, Richard. So yeah, I share a lot of information via my website, rohinibajekul.com. I also just written my first book with my mother, which has over 30 recipes in it, but loads of information on sleep, stress, hormone health. I know we didn't get a chance to talk about all of that. And it's called Living PCOS Free. And I'm also really active on Instagram and Twitter at Rohini Bajekul, just my name. And um, yeah, I look forward to connecting with you. If you found this helpful, you've got some questions, I'm really happy to help. And I also see people around the world in my clinical practice as well for anyone who wants a helping hand. Very good. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Rohini. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Really great to chat to you. Don't forget, before you go, use code GENIUS at Viome.com for an additional $20 off your health intelligence test and get started on your health journey with the right foods, supplements, and probiotics and prebiotics for your unique biology. Get a deeper look within with Viome's health intelligence test. Viome, you decoded. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. 
If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.